this time, Steve Andrews, come please and bring our message. Are they not all ministering spirits? Well, greetings, brethren, on this beautiful Sabbath day. In Hebrews, the first chapter, verse 13. But of which, to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? What a wonderful question. Interesting question. Are they not all ministering spirits? The angels. Hollywood likes to make angels. <laughs> One of our favorite Christmas programs. <laughs> uh, it's a wonderful life. What's Clarence trying to do? He's trying to win his wings. Well, let me tell you, there, he's, he's wrong. <laughs> he is not an angel. Angels are totally different than what Hollywood has put together. They are not men. Even though they might appear sometimes as men, they are spirits. It says, are they not all ministering spirits? The Bible tells us that that is what they are. And they might appear as a man, but they are not men. It's very interesting that they are also created beings. They have to come in to this, to their realm through creation. And we find that in Ezekiel, the 28th chapter. And it's interesting that Ezekiel gives us all, a lot of information about angels and what, what, they're, what they look like. Um, of course, it's interesting that this first angel that we talk about that's created, who is called Lucifer, which means brightness, becomes darkness. It's interesting that the message, he brings darkness to the earth, and he brings darkness to mankind. But when he was first created in God's workshop, because I always imagine that's what this is kind of a picture of, we're going into God's workshop, and it's giving us a little picture of what he does. He says in verse 13, you have been in Eden, the garden of God. Now, we don't, you know, yes, he was in the physical garden of God, but does God, did God also have a spiritual garden? And did he walk in that? Because there's some other things in here. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, and gold, and the workmanship of your tabrets and of your pipes were prepared in the day that you were created. A beautiful being. Absolutely, you know, we would, we might not even be able to, even in our spiritual selves when we come into the kingdom, we will be in awe of what God has created in his spiritual realm. You are the anointed 
cherub that covers. I have sent you so. He was up on the holy mountain of God. You walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. A little understanding about what it was like in God's realm when Lucifer was created. He said, you were perfect in your ways from the day that you were created till iniquity was found in you. Well, this is not the story of Lucifer who became Satan. That is another very long, another message altogether. Today, this is a story about the angelic realm. And I have six parts today, and I don't know if I can get through all of this. Because if you go into any Strong's Concordance or Cruden's Concordance and you look up the word angel or angels, there's a lot of information about angels. They are a very busy and important part of God's work. We are his creation, and this is what he's focusing on, but he created the angels to minister and to minister to us. So it's very important that we understand because we may be working with them. We may have a great part with the angels in the kingdom of God. It'll be interesting. I'm always fascinated. Now, because of the, of the reading in Ezekiel 1, because Ezekiel was special. He was able to see the angelic beings, the very throne of God, that kind of a portable throne that came down. And he was able to witness this. And I was able to find something on um, YouTube that kind of gives you an overview. Now, if you want to go in and actually read it, which we won't do today, although uh, some of this is quoted in this uh, YouTube video that I'm going to, we're going to show, it's about 8 minutes and 30 seconds long. Kind of very interesting, and some of the visual is, is um, I think, very interesting. But you can go and you can, you can look in Ezekiel, the first chapter, and you can look in Ezekiel, the 10th chapter, and, and those things are in there. So I think that we've got it ready to, to do, let's hope. And uh, I'm going to turn off this light and 8 minutes and 30 seconds here. In the fifth day of the month, which was the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's captivity, the word of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Kibar. And the hand of the Lord was there upon him. Now it came to pass in the thirtieth year, in the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river of Gebar, that the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. And I looked, 
And behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud, and a fire enfolding itself, and a brightness was about it, and out of the midst thereof as the color of amber out of the midst of the fire. Also out of the midst thereof came the likeness of four living creatures, and this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man, and every one had four faces, and every one had four wings. And they had the hands of a man under their wings on their four sides. As for the likeness of their faces, they four had the face of a man, and the face of a lion on the right side and they four had the face of an ox on the left side. They four also had the face of an eagle. Thus were their faces. And their wings were stretched upward. Two wings of every one were joined one to another, and two covered their bodies. And their feet were straight feet, and the sole of their feet was like the sole of a calf's foot, and they sparkled like the color of burnished brass. And their whole body, and their backs, and their hands, and their wings were full of eyes round about. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches. And the living creatures ran and returned as the appearance of a flash of lightning. When they stood, they let down their wings. And when they went, I heard the noise of their wings, like the noise of great waters, as the voice of the Almighty, a tumultuous noise as the noise of a host. This is the living creature that I saw under the God of Israel by the river of Kibar, and I knew that they were the cherubims. And I looked, and behold, four wheels beside the cherubim, one wheel beside one cherub, and another wheel beside another cherub. And the appearance of the wheels was as the look of a chrysolite stone. And they four had one likeness, and their appearance and their work was as it were a wheel in the middle of a wheel. As for their rims, they were high and dreadful, and they four had their rims full of eyes round about. When the living creatures went, the wheels went beside them, and when the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up. Wherever the spirit was to go, they went. There was the spirit to go, and the wheels were lifted up beside them, 
for the spirit of the living creature was in the wheels. When they went, they went in their four directions. They didn't turn as they went, but to the place where the head looked, they followed it. And I heard the noise of the wings of the living creatures as they touched one another, and the noise of the wheels beside them, even the noise of a great rushing. As for the wheels, they were called in my hearing the whirling wheels. In among the wheels between the cherubim were burning coals of fire. The fire went up and down among the living creatures, and the fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightning. Over the head of the living creature there was the likeness of an expanse, like the awesome crystal to look on, stretched forth over their heads above. Above the expanse that was over their heads was the likeness of a throne, as the appearance of a sapphire stone. And on the likeness of the throne was a likeness as the appearance of a man on it above. I saw as it were glowing metal, as the appearance of fire within it round about, from the appearance of his loins and upward. And from the appearance of his loins and downward, I saw as it were the appearance of fire, and there was brightness round about him as the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud in the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness around. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. When I saw it, I fell on my face, and I heard a voice of one that spoke. As you can see how fascinating that is, and uh, that is in existence today. And it may be just right up above us, we don't know. Because the spirit world is totally invisible to us, unless God desires to show it as he did Ezekiel. You know, it was something that, and, and he fell on his face. He was totally terrified, his whole system. You know, God had to strengthen him for he before he could be able to, to, to actually witness it. Now, in, the, in that realm, also, um, there's hierarchy. We have um, the cherubim, but in, there are also archangels, Gabriel and Michael. 
And there's also another type of angel besides those, and it's called a seraphim. And we can go to Isaiah, the, the sixth chapter, and it's the only place that we find anything about this particular angel. And yet, they have a, um, a very important part, and they may actually be um, one of those that is always there in front of the Lord. In verse 1, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. Now remember, these had four. They had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he did fly. One cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the doors moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. It's interesting, it wasn't the angel that got him, it was the Lord sitting on the throne. Then flew one of the seraphims unto him, having the live coals in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs and from off the altar. And he laid it upon the mouth and said, Lo, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sins are purged. And also heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And then I, he said, Here I am, send me. For any of us, any of us, that would be terrifying to be in that presence. But one of these days, we will be there. We will get to see this firsthand, brethren. This is what's exciting about reading the book and seeing this other realm, this other dimension that's out there, and understanding that God has written this down for us to, to be excited about his kingdom, about his creativity, about his person, about his power and about his government, and what he's planning on setting up. In Revelation, the fourth chapter, we see that end time coming. And God gives us another little window. It's a window into to that time in which Christ will return to the earth. And that kingdom will be set up. But we see that throne room. We see just what we see here that Ezekiel saw in Revelation, the fourth chapter. He says, After I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, as it was a trumpet, talking to me, and said, Come here, and I will show you things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and beheld a throne, was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon as jasper and sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne in the sight, like unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. Now what we didn't see before, we are seeing now. Something new, something in his realm at that end time that we get privy to in the book that he has given us. I'm very thankful that God has allowed us to have a little look into his kingdom, his spiritual realm, his spiritual world. It's sad that we have a being called Satan 
who is out to destroy all of mankind because he knows that we will have a place in the kingdom of rulership and that the angels will be serving us. But that's the way it is. As we look in on this beautiful time, this wonderful time in which John got a little picture of what was going on because he was in the spirit at that time. He said, round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass, like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne and the round about the throne were four Beast, and actually that word beast really means four creatures, full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast or first creature was like a lion. The second beast was like a, a calf. And the third beast had a face of a man. And the fourth beast like a flying eagle. So here we have those cherubim again. And he's a vision, I don't know whether he's visually seeing them only in one, one place or whether these are slightly different. It's hard to tell by, by how this is written, but they're essentially the same beings. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about them. So these, these have six wings about them. They're full of eyes within, and they rest, day not, uh, they rest not day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, uh, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who lives forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that lives forever and ever. Cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and power, for you have created all things. And for your pleasure they were and are created. And so we, we get a little picture of that, of that beautiful throne room and all of those things which we will get a chance to see someday. Part two, they serve the will of God. Angels serve the will of God and Jesus Christ. They serve His will. In 1 Kings, the 19th chapter, what we come to find out is the angels are serving beings and they are spirit. So they live a very, very long time. <laughs> Needless to say. And what's interesting, we don't have any idea when they were created. There's nothing in there. How, how old are angels? Thousands? Millions? Billions? Trillions of, year, of earth years? We have no idea how long they've been around. How long they've existed. 1 Kings 19, 5 through 7. And as he lay and slept under the juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. Now this is about Elijah. Remember um, Ahab told Jezebel that uh, what Elijah had been doing. and uh, Elijah got a little bit scared because Jezebel says, Boy, I'm going to do to you the same as you've done to all the rest of these. So he ran off and he was a little bit on the uh, scared side. And so God sent an angel to kind of, you know, talk to him a little bit and give him some food. 
He said, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baked on the coals and a cruise of water in his hand, uh, um, in his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that uh, meat forty days and forty nights unto the Horeb, the Mount of God. And we know that God told him that there were 7,000 that didn't have bowed to Baal and that he wasn't the only one. And we know Elijah went about his business. But he sent an angel to do God's bidding. They serve God in Christ. Psalm 68. Psalm 68. Psalm 68, verse 17. The chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels. The Lord is among them, as in Sinai, the holy place. So we get a little picture of thousands of angels, thousands of chariots. Matthew, the 26th chapter. As Jesus says, the angels also obey him. Matthew, the 26th chapter. And this is the time that we get the chance to see them also. <laughs> Beginning of 52 to 53. And um, um, this is where they came to arrest Jesus. Peter took a sword, whacked off the ear of, of, of one of the uh, uh, priests there. And Jesus said, put up again your sword and its place. For all they that take up the sword shall perish with the sword. He says, Think you not, think you that I cannot now pray my Father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? That's 72,000 angels. <laughs> one angel could probably take care of every one of those men without a problem. But he wanted to make it plain to them that it was not his time. 72,000 he could call right then. And they would come because the Father would send them if that was, you know, what he decided. But the decision was to go through for you and I that we might have a hope of, of seeing the things that God has created. Psalms 104. Let's go back to Psalm 104. Psalm 104, not Psalms. There's only one that I'm going to read from. Psalm 104, verse 4. Who makes his angels spirits, his ministers a flaming fire. Who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flaming fire. Once again, we find out that the angels are spirits. And let's go to Hebrews, the first chapter. Hebrews 1. Remember, there's lots of, many verses. This, this could be many sermons about the angels and different things that they do and how they've come uh, to interact with man. Verse 7. And it's the same, it's a quote from that. And he makes his angel, and he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire? In verse 7. And it's a quote from uh, Psalm 104, verse 4. 
Now let's go to Acts, the 12th chapter, to actually see how they intervene. Sometimes in uh, certain situations, they're sent to do the bidding of God. And here we find out in Psalms, uh, the, the um, 12th chapter, and beginning in verse 6, And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the, in the prison. So Peter was in the prison, he was all bound, and not only that, but they wanted to make sure that he wasn't going to get away, so they put two guards right beside him, sitting beside him, so he was pretty well guarded. And behold, the angel of the Lord came to him, and the light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side. Come on, Peter, get up, get up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and raised him up, saying, rise up, quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. You know, they have quite, quite a lot of power. Um, but within the, the command of God. Remember, even Satan couldn't do anything unless God allowed him to do it. I mean, here we have Peter all bound up and the chains just fall off. He rises him up, chains fall off, and here we go. And the angel said unto him, Gird yourself and bind on your sandals. And so he did. He said unto him, Cast your garment about you and follow me. And he went out and followed him and was, not that he was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm walking in a vision. I can't believe this. And when they were past the first and second ward, they came into an iron gate that leads into the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and passed out through one street and forth with the angel departed from him. So the angel did his job, and he was gone. And Peter, it was kind of, this is what the funny part, Peter came to those who knew him, and they didn't believe it. Peter was coming to himself and he says, Now I know with surety that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked on the door of the gate, a damsel came and hearkened, unto, uh, uh, hearkened named Rhoda. And when she, she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. So she didn't even open the door. She heard Peter talking. She left the door closed. And they said to her, you, you're mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. And then they said, it is his angel. But <laughs> Peter was standing outside. Come on, guys. Knock, 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 knock. Come on. He continued to knock. And when they opened the door, they saw him, they were astonished. But he beckoning unto them with a hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Go and show these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. Now as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers what was become of Peter. This was serious for Herod. And when Herod sought, uh, sought for him and found him not, he examined the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death. And so they, they, those, those two guards, even though they probably didn't even wake up, were killed. Part 3. 
They communicate the will of God and Christ and fight heavenly battles. <laughs> what a story. What a fantastic, interesting story about the angelic realm and all the things they do. But we shall do even greater things in the kingdom of God. We find some of the more interesting and, and, and more revealing things in Daniel's captivity. So let's turn to Daniel, the eighth chapter, as we see God hearing Daniel's prayers and sending an angel to confirm and to reveal. In Daniel, the eighth chapter, beginning of verse 16. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of ULA, however that's pronounced, U-L-A-I, which called and said, Gabriel, make this man to understand the vision. Make this man to understand the vision. So he came near where I stood, and when I, he came, I was afraid and fell upon my face. But he said unto me, Understand, O son of man, for the time of the end shall be the vision. Now, as he was speaking with me, I was in a deep sleep, on my face towards the ground. But he touched me and set me upright. So very interesting, they come, they give information to Daniel, but Daniel is praying flat on his face, not on his back. Anytime you see somebody in a religious thing that falls on their back, that is a false, falseness. Every time in the Bible, when you see them meeting an angel or, you know, something spiritual, they fall flat on their face. God asks us to pray that way. Behold, I'll make you an in, uh, know what shall be the last end of the indignation for the time appointed to the end. Now let's turn to Daniel, the ninth chapter. Read a few more verses here. Beginning verse 20, just trying to give you some highlights. And while I was speaking, verse 20, and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. Yea, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am come forth to give you skill and understanding. Daniel was praying. Praying diligently in supplication and presenting these before God. And he had Gabriel, <laughs> one of the archangels, come directly to him to explain to him. And he informed me and talked with me. And said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give you skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplication, the com commandment came forth, and I am come to show you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. You, at the time of this supplication, there was a commandment. I was to come to you and reveal the vision. And he came. And that was the 70 weeks prophecy that you can read about there in that. And we'll go through that. Now, Daniel, the 10th chapter, beginning in verse 1. Remember, they, when they are commanded, 
They do the bidding of God and Christ. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. And the thing was true, but the time appointed was long, and he understood the thing had understanding of the vision. In those days, Daniel, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine into my mouth, neither did I appoint myself at all, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. And in the fourth and twentieth day of the first month, as I was beside the great river, which is Hedekiel, then I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man, clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with the fine gold of Ophaz. His body was also like burial, and his face is the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as the lamps of fire, and his arms and his feet like the color of polished brass, and the voice of the words like the voice of the multitude. And Daniel, and I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men that were with me saw not a vision, but a great quaking fell upon them, so that they fled and hid themselves. Therefore I was left alone, and saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me, for I for my comeliness was turned in me and into corruption, and I retained, retained no strength. So, so if you see an angel, you will probably you know, wilt away, fall on your face, and they're going to have to give you something to, to strengthen you because it's going to be so dramatic. Yet I heard a voice uh, I, of his words, and I heard the voice of his words. Then was I in a deep sleep on my face, and my face towards the ground. And behold, a hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon my palms of my hands. And he didn't stand quite all the way up. He was on his knees and his palms of his hands. He said unto me, O Daniel, men greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto you. Stand upright, for unto you I am not now sent. And when he had spoken these words unto me, I stood trembling. And he said unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you did set your heart to understand and to chasten yourself before your God. Your words were heard, and I am come for your words. It's interesting. Here's the battle. Sometimes there is a battle that's going on, and we don't know it. We don't understand. He said, But the prince of the kingdoms of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now I am come to make you understand. So in other words, it was a great battle. Twenty-one days they were battling so that he could get, get loose to come to Daniel. Obviously, this uh, prince of Persia, who we probably understand as Satan, and his angels were fighting against Gabriel, Michael, and his angels. And I've come to make you understand what shall befall your people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. And when he had spoken such words unto me, I set my face towards the ground and became dumb. Okay, let's go to, um, you, you can look, I'm going to, Skip Daniel, the 12th chapter, 1 to 12. You can go to that one where, where again uh, an angel visited him. Let's go to Ezekiel, the 40th chapter, to see another, this time uh, Ezekiel has to follow a, an angel around. 
A very interesting scenario here. As Ezekiel, in the fifth, and very being in verse 1, in the fifth and twentieth year of our captivity, in the beginning of the year, in the tenth day of the month, in the fourteenth uh, year after that, the city was smitten in the selfsame day. The hand of the Lord was upon me and brought me there. In the vision of God, brought me into the land of Israel and set me upon a very high mountain, by which was as a frame of the city of, uh, on the south. And brought me there, and behold, there was a man whose appearance was like the appearance of brass. Now, most men don't really look like brass, but this man did. So obviously, this is an angel that God has sent with a line of flax in his hand and a measuring reed, and he stood in the gate. And the man said unto me, Son of man, behold, with your eyes and hear with your ears, and set your heart upon all that I shall show you, for to the intent that I might show them unto you are you brought here. Declare all that you see to the house of Israel. And so he goes on and he measures the whole temple. He walks around with him while he measures it. And he writes as he's measuring. And he says, write it down. So he's writing all this measure, this, this column is this, this high. And this column and this, this step is like this. And so he writes all of this down. And then he goes and there's a stream coming out. And he says, well, hey, walk out there a little ways. And he gets on and he has his ankles. And he says, no, go on a little further. And he comes up to his knees. And oh, go a little further, the, the guy says. Oh, and so he goes up to his chest. And he says, well, go on a little further. And uh, wait a minute now, this is up to my neck. I can't quite go any further. And, and with these, he reveals this whole temple, this Ezekiel temple. He walks with him through this whole scenario. How fascinating would that be? That would be so very interesting. Now let's go to the New Testament. Let's look and see how the angels came to Elizabeth and to Mary and they brought joy, gladness to the two of them. Luke, the first chap uh, uh, chapter 1, beginning in verse 9. According to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple. This was, um, um, this was Elizabeth's husband, Zacharias. And so he was, uh, he was on duty, and his, his duty was to burn incense. And he said, The whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of the incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. So all of a sudden there was this angel just appeared. Now they can do that. They, they, you know, they'll be all of a sudden, they'll be right there. There'll be nothing there and all of a sudden they just appear. And this is really funny um, because Zacharias doesn't believe him. <laughs> uh, and when Zacharias saw him, he, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you shall have joy, gladness. Many shall rejoice at his birth, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He shall be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall be turned to the Lord their God. What a prophecy to, to Zacharias. 
they would have a child. This child would be a, a rejoicing to all of Israel. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient and the wisdom to the just and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said unto the angel, Where, Whereby shall I know this? For I am old, I am an old man, and my wife is well stricken in years. Whoops. You don't do that. <laughs> From the Bible you understand very, very quickly that if an angel appears to you and he tells you that God says that this is what's going to happen, you believe him right away. <laughs> you believe him immediately. Because the angel said, <laughs> the angel said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God, and I'm speak, I am to speak unto you and to show you glad things, glad tidings. And behold, you shall be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because you believeth not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. So that's a warning to any of us who might see an angel who's going to tell us something, believe him. Believe him. Or you might be dumb for, you know, till whatever, <laughs> till the end of it. What a fascinating thing. And of course, then the angel appears to Mary. And, to, and, they, and all of those things, these angels, and then they also appear many times when Christ is born to go through all of that. You, you, you all are very familiar with that. I just wanted to, to show you that how important angels are in the kingdom of God and how they communicate the will of God and Christ. They communicate that to mankind. Number four, they will serve Christ at his coming. Matthew, the 13th chapter. Matthew 13. We went through this before. This is part of the message that I gave the last time I gave it. But I wanted to focus on this one, one area here because it's very important to understand that the angels have a very important part. And it does seem like that the angels are the ones that are going to... to to lay out the judgment for those that are incorrigible that will go into the lake of fire. Maybe that's so that we aren't you know, involved in that, I don't know. But it does seem very specific that the angels will have that responsibility. In this parable of the tares where he explains it, he says, the field is the, is the world, and I, and I don't know if I, I got just one verse here, but I'll, I'll come up to it here. The field is the world, the good seed is the children of the kingdom, and the, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that has sowed them is the devil, and the harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. The reapers are the angels. So we, we understand it's not us that are going to be doing this. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be at the end of the world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend them, which do iniquity, and shall cast them into the furnace of fire, and there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of the Father, who is an ear to hear. Let him hear. So we see that they have a, a very important part towards the, that end it, as, they, uh, um, as they gather those out of that. And then, of course, in Matthew, the 25th chapter also, or 24th chapter, 
Let's go to Matthew, the 24th chapter. We also see Jesus saying when he comes back that we shall be gathered by the angels. And let's see verses uh, 30 through 31. And, and then shall the sign of the Son of Man uh, appear in heaven, and then shall the tribes of the earth mourn, and they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And I look forward to that day, brethren. I hope you do too. I want to see Christ return to this earth. Yeah. We are, I, I think our, our troubles are just beginning in, the, in this world. I used to think that was years, 40 years ago. <laughs> I think it's gotten worse and worse and worse. He shall send his angels. He shall send his angels with a great, with a great sound of a trumpet. Then they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the heaven to the other. They will have a great responsibility at the end to gather all of those believers, all of those repentant, that they might be in the kingdom. What a responsibility. Other responsibilities. Um, let's see. Let's go to uh, Matthew, the 18th chapter. I have this under number five, other responsibilities. Uh, I had a little note, and I was thinking about something. You know some, how sometimes you, you start reading these things, and you kind of wonder, well, how, how's this going to work out, you know? How's, how's this going to happen? We, we're, we're gathered up. Why the angels? And maybe, I had a, maybe there, was, there was a thought there that we really don't know very much about the spirit world, do we? We're, we know a lot about the physical world. We're pretty attuned to physical things. But we're not really too sure about what's going on in the spirit world. What if there's protocols we need to know to come before God and Christ? What if we all get up there as a bunch of yelling and screaming babies And that's not what we should be doing. So the angels gather us up. Now this is my bell ringing. The angels gather us up and they say, now this is what you're supposed to do when you come before the Lord. You behave yourself. Yes, you're saved. Yes, you're eternal. Yes, you're in the kingdom. But this is God you're going before. So you have to have the right decorum. Come dressed properly. Come with reverence. Come prepared to praise the Lord. Come prepared to, with the song of Moses in your head, ready to go. Come prepared to worship and to rejoice in the right way. I think that's how it's going to happen. I think the angels are going to have to instruct us. I think they're going to have to tell us how to do it. How to come before God in the right way. Because we have no idea. That was just my thought. Just an idea. Just a thought. Anyway, Matthew 18, beginning in verse 10. He says, Take heed that you despise not these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father, which is in heaven. 
You know, it's a terrible thing that we have become like the, um, like the Israelites and we give our children to Moloch. What a great glory and wonderful thing it is that children come along and they have a guardian angel. That's what it says. There's an angel, especially those who have you know, the Spirit of God and walk in God's way. There is an angel that's watching over us. I, I know there's an angel that has been watching over me. I've had a lot of situations in which I could have died. Very easily I could have died. Revelation, the 16th chapter. Another thing that the angels are going to have to do is carry out part of the wrath of God. They're going to be given this responsibility. They will be doing it. They will be commanded to do it. Verse 1, chapter 16. I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your way, pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth, and there was a great, there was, fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men, which had mark of the beast upon them, and worshipped his image. Second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as blood as dead men, and every living soul died in the sea. So the angels continually poured out these vials, the wrath of God upon mankind, all seven of them. Verse 17, in chapter 17, And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, talked unto me, saying unto me, Come here, I will show you the judgment of the great horror that sits upon the waters. So that seventh angel is going to talk and tell John about this Babylonian thing. But they are responsible for these last plagues. Of course, you can read all of that. I don't have time to go through everything there. Now let's look at Revelation, the 20th chapter, another responsibility that they will have. And I suspect, I don't know which one will be chosen, it's going to either be Gabriel, or it's going to be Michael. There's going to be a powerful beast, a, be, a being, an archangel, that's going to grab a hold of Lucifer, and he's going to yank him, and he's going to grab him, and he's going to throw him into the pit. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. Now, for angels that had fought and fought and fought, no telling how long they've been fighting with one another, this is going to be a joyous time for them. They're going to be so excited about this day to put this being in chains in the bottomless pit. And we have no idea how much they have struggled with one another. Just from that one little thing, it shows me that maybe when there, there was war on earth, they were warring in heaven, struggling with one another. And the day is going to come when he is going to be put away. He laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, Satan, and bound him a thousand years. Cast him. I mean, he didn't, he didn't hold back at all. Grabbed a hold of that chain and threw him into that pit cast him into the pit, 
and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till a thousand years should be fulfilled. So here's another responsibility that one of those angels will have at the end to take care of Satan. Final thoughts. Let's go back to Hebrews again as we think about this a little bit. How exciting is it to think that you will have an opportunity to meet another whole universe that we've never had a, uh, even a, because most of us will live our whole lives and, and never see what Daniel saw, never see what Ezekiel saw. But we believe. Remember what Jesus said. Blessed are you if you believe what you have seen. You know, you believe what you've heard. That Christ came. That these things are true. That the Bible is true. Blessed are you. But to them, but to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? That is wonderful words for us, brethren. In Revelation, the first chapter, a little look, a little look at what we have in store for us. Sometimes we wonder, why I am not really qualified for the kind of thing that God has set forth for me. But obviously he's called us. And obviously he's going to make us avail, able to perform what he's called us to do, whatever that is. But it says in here, beginning in verse 4, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you, and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come, from the seven spirits which are before his throne. And if I didn't say it, this is Revelation, the first chapter, beginning in verse 4. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, and to him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us, brethren, he has made us, even though we don't feel like maybe we're qualified for this position. He has made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen.